You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The Big Ten chose to start on time, or at least to schedule a start on time. What went into that decision? What went into the decision was to uh, afford us the best possible opportunity to be as flexible as we possibly can. And that was one of the reasons why when we decided to go to a 10-game only uh, schedule, uh, a Big Ten only conference schedule, is that we're hopeful that uh, this builds an opportunity for us to remain as flexible as we possibly can. So as you're aware, if something were to happen where we didn't start on September 5th, we have the flexibility to start even on September 12th or the 19th. And we have, because we have those open dates throughout the schedule and on the back end, we would be able to collapse some of those early dates to a later date. So the big thing for us right now always is number one is the health and safety of our student athletes and everyone in our Big Ten community, uh, but but also is to have as much flexibility as we possibly can. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as a big mile marker was crossed on Wednesday across the Big Ten Conference. You heard Commissioner Kevin Warren as the league will play now. Uh, opening week, September 5th, they are the only Power 5 conference that will come out of the gate swinging, playing right away. Uh, SEC won't go to week four, um, so Big 12 is going to go either week three or week four with their scheduled games. Pac-12 is week three, um, and the ACC is going to go week two. But um, an aggressive move by the league, but I think the right move. When you when you guys look at this conference schedule put out by the league, 10 games over 12 weeks, the bye weeks match up for divisional opponents, so you can make up division games potentially during the year. For Nebraska, it's week seven and week 10, and then – on the back end, there's a potential, Robin, of four more bye weeks that the Big Ten championship game could potentially be flexed anywhere from December 5th all the way out to December 19th. Yeah, and you know, listening to the Commissioner Kevin Warren uh, talk on BTN after that announcement, uh, the, the word he kept bringing up about how this schedule was structured was flexibility and being able to adjust on the fly as necessary as this day-to-day situation continues to develop. And that's the only way to go about it. I mean, you have to give yourself wiggle room if you're going to have any chance of finishing a full 10-game slate because there will be setbacks. There will be teams that, for one reason or another, might not be able to play. And so you have to be able to have backup plans to continue with your season. And they did that by, I agree, Sean, doing the right thing by starting earlier. By starting earlier, you give yourself more time. I mean, it's kind of simple math. You give yourself more weekends to play games. And the fact that they have that uh, flexibility with the Big Ten Conference uh, championship game uh, to be able to push that back and give yourself potentially as much as a month, maybe, with the two additional bye weeks, uh, I mean, that gives yourself as much of an opportunity and as big of a window as possible to be able to play a full season in the fall. So, uh, you know, it seems like there was a good amount of thought that was put into this. Um, you know, I think part of the delay probably was the fact that they went out of their way to listen to student athletes. Uh, I know they had that big conference call with uh, not just football players, but, you know, um, members of men's and women's teams of fall sports to get their thoughts. And so they at least gave the student athletes a voice and maybe made them feel a little bit more included in the process where some other leagues 
it's all done by the the guys in the in the suits and the athletes hear about it on Twitter. At least the Big Ten was a little bit more um, transparent with how they've been going about this, and uh, I think that they gave themselves themselves the best opportunity to play all of those ten games while also preparing for the likelihood that uh, this thing will probably not go uh, as planned on a straight line, like Kevin Warren said. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And to be completely honest with you, I'm surprised that they're that the other Power Five conferences are talking about starting later. Um, yeah, to me, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If anything, I thought that it would make more sense to maybe even move it up and start week zero uh, to give yourself as much buffer room as possible. But I like the fact that the Big Ten is starting on week one. Uh, I know that there was a lot of talk and a lot of people kind of starting to wonder what was going on or, or if the, the Big Ten or even the NCAA might cancel things completely here over the last – 48 hours or so uh, leading up to this decision or this announcement. But I, I really like the the way that the Big Ten kind of laid it all out. Now, there's some questions as far as the schedules go and why they did certain things there. But as a whole, I, I'm just I'm happy that football is planning to start on week one. And, and I like the way that the, the Big Ten handled it as a whole. This is what I like about it, guys. They begin practice here on Friday, they open camp. There's no dilly-dallying around. They're on schedule. SEC is going to extend minicamp all the way until mid to late August before they roll into camp. Um, and it's going to be a modified camp. The, the hours and the restrictions are going to be different. The Big Ten is in camp now. They start Friday. Um, and you, Nebraska will only, unfortunately, get 10 days of true camp because the first day of classes is August 17th because they're online week one and then 24th. Um, at, at least as of now, students will be back on campus in the classroom so Nebraska will get 10 days of what's traditional camp, um, and then they'll be in their regular 20-hour weeks starting August 17th. Uh, but they're in great shape. I mean, Scott Frost, Jared Lamprecht, and the leadership of the program, you got to give them credit with how they've gone about it. I mean, they, they have put together a plan to get this team through. They were thinking about how to do this all the way back in March when everybody else was not and if they get these games off, guys, Nebraska's going to be in a really, really good spot because their players have been training at a high level really since April, March. And uh, they were able to continue that even when the weight room was shut down. A lot of guys did work out in groups in Lincoln uh, following the guidelines. And then June 1, they were the first team in the country in weight rooms when weight rooms opened up. Um, so it, it's been an, uh, a really, really smart approach by Nebraska, and it may pay off here. Yeah, it seems like we've been praising how Nebraska's handled this whole situation from day one, and this is why. I mean, now that they're in the situation that they're in, Nebraska seems to be on as solid of footing as maybe any team in the conference right now, just in the amount of preparation they've been able to get in, the way that they've handled uh, you know, coronavirus positive cases and, and, and adjusted accordingly, uh, been able to quarantine guys and basically just keep this thing on track where you look at other schools even within the conference that you know a handful of positive cases they're shutting everything down for two weeks and basically just kind of going at the whim of um, you know this total reactionary response whereas Nebraska stayed true to their plan and they handled things um, you know basically with a level-headed even keel approach and now they seem to be in like I said uh, in as good of a possible situation as a team going into the start of you know 
I guess, fall camp that you could possibly ask for. Well, not only do we think they handled it well, but it's pretty apparent that the, the players themselves are appreciative about how everything's been handled. Uh, after the Big Ten released the, the schedule news and everything, all of a sudden you started seeing all the players tweet and go to social media, um, you know, basically thanking the coaching staff, thanking Nebraska for the way that they've handled it and how they've kept their own safety first and foremost uh, with every move that they've made throughout this whole deal and how, how well they've been taken care of. So uh, now obviously that was somewhat of a coordinated effort, I'm sure, uh, given the fact that they're all using the, you know, the same hashtags and, and whatnot. But at the same time, I don't think that any player is going to put that out on their social media in this day and age if they don't fully believe it. Um, you know, I think the guys are, are pretty well speak, speak their mind uh, at this point on social media. And, and I don't see guys like Adrian uh, Martinez and Wandell Robinson and, and all these all these big time uh, players, Brendan Hymas uh, on the team kind of putting that out there if they don't honestly believe it. Nebraska will open at, at Rutgers, guys, Labor Day weekend. Um, that was really the big shift in the schedule. Also, Wisconsin comes to Lincoln instead of Nebraska going out there. So that was a break. And then the Huskers add Michigan State as their additional crossover game. Uh, they'll get some revenge on Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker should give Scott Frost in Nebraska, though, a Christmas card for um, – you can make a case if Colorado doesn't beat Nebraska last year, does he get that Michigan State job? I don't think so. Um, and then you, you look at uh, Nebraska then now goes to Purdue for a second year in a row. So um, some I think those three things on the schedule – Adding Michigan State at home, then you go to Purdue, and then Wisconsin comes here. Another thing about that Wisconsin thing I like, guys, is you get them up here in early September. There's going to be possibly some heat and weather, and that plays better to Nebraska style because they like to wear down a team. And Wisconsin is a bigger team that likes the colder, you know, traditional November, October weather. Um, you get Wisconsin in the heat early on in the year. Um, you know, may, maybe that that favors better for Nebraska, especially the game being in Lincoln. And if it's one of those really humid Nebraska Saturdays, um, you know, that that could be a better matchup for Nebraska. Well, when you look at how Nebraska's cards have been dealt as far as scheduling and stuff like that since they've joined the conference, this is probably as good of a hand as you probably could ask for. Uh, just considering, you know, Nebraska usually just gets hammered with stuff like that. I'm surprised they didn't open with Ohio State. And Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, right out of the gate. You're, you're one of the Big Ten. They played everybody. Yes. They played Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, and Wisconsin, so, and Iowa. So to get Rutgers and Illinois in your first two games, I mean, that's that's a nice little favor from the league. Now, granted, uh, the next four games after that are a brutal stretch with Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State. But, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, Nebraska is kind of probably in the middle of the pack as far as schedule difficulty. And, uh, you know, as a program, being able to get some early momentum, I mean, assuming that that Rutgers game gets played and, and everything kind of goes to plan through those first couple weeks, Nebraska's going to be in a pretty good spot to where they are going to have a much more, uh, uh, I guess, solid footing under them uh, going into that four-game stretch than maybe they would otherwise. If you're Wisconsin, you're probably upset that you've got to come to Lincoln or two years in a row now. Um, so that's that's something that plays to Nebraska. And will that reflect too. on next year's schedule? Yeah, could it be three could could it be three years in a row? I mean, how will they do next year's scheduling? Exactly. Will they keep things the same? That'd be three years in a row for them. Yeah, and I don't know. That's but if you're Nebraska, you probably hope that they you make it three years in a row that Wisconsin's coming to Lincoln. All right, guys, well, this has been like the best segment we've done um, in months because we were talking actual football schedule, no real football. So we're going to continue the discussion when we come back. We'll talk more about the schedule and what we think next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, what we wanted to do is just to make sure that, uh, you know, we we created a schedule that was fair, uh, that was equitable, that was methodical. And as you alluded to, provided us with the opportunity to have so much flexibility. So if something happened where a team was not able to, to play during a week that we could either move those games later to the season. And we just, I think flexibility is so critically important as you can see on the screen with the schedule up there now. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we talk schedule. And I don't know necessarily if it was fair and equitable across the board. I mean, you know, one thing I noticed, Robin and Nate, about this schedule, they didn't really go big on week one. You know, some leagues want to swing hard on week one. And the way they've set it up, when you look at really the first two weeks of the conference schedule, I don't think there's going to be a ranked-on-ranked game, um, you know, in, in week one or week two, when, when you look at all the matchups on the grid. Uh, and I think, I don't know if that was by design, but it works up that you can kind of build your good teams up a little bit over the first couple of games before you get into the meet. And I think the meet really begins on week three. Nebraska goes Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, three, four, five, six. And most of the teams in the league kind of have a stretch like that. But I felt like week one, week two, the teams that should be 2-0 and will probably be 2-0. and Yeah, and I'm sure there was some design to that. I think probably the most quote-unquote marquee matchup uh, that you're going to get is in week two with Michigan going to Minnesota. Uh, I mean, that's probably, you know, one of the few. Ranked on ranked. Yeah, yeah that has, at least has that opportunity to be there. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I think that that, you know, there seems to be some design to the schedule. I mean, especially looking at how different Ohio State's schedule is compared to everybody I mean, their, else. their draw is unbelievable. Yes, and you know, you can make the same case for Wisconsin, too. So, you know, I know there's some conspiracy theorists out there that, you know, maybe they're trying to pave the road for uh, two of their bigger brands from each division to meet in the conference championship. We'll see. But the reality is, like I said you know, in the last segment, that Nebraska has been screwed over a lot worse than they did with this schedule. And, again, being able to start – you know, I guess we'll see what happens with Rutgers, but then Rutgers, Illinois, I mean, that is about as ideal of a first two weeks as you can get if you can ask for if you're in Nebraska. And then Wisconsin and Lincoln. Yes, and then getting Nebraska, Wisconsin at home again. Yeah, I think that you know, my biggest question is how exactly do they go about making the schedules? Um, <clears throat> because I, I think you could make an argument that you know, drawing Rutgers is, is uh, you know, maybe not ideal uh, because you're talking about a brand new coaching staff. You've been, you've been, you know, theoretically kind of preparing for, for Purdue for an awful long time. Now you draw a brand new coaching staff. You don't know what they're going to run and you kind of, you're going on the road into, into kind of the, the lion's den as far as all the, the controversy and everything surrounding um, the the coronavirus and within the conference, so I mean that's maybe not ideal. But at the same time, they're they're Rutgers, so you know I think that you could you, there's definitely worse teams that you could have drawn. My question is like, who is everybody playing a different home opener or or season opener? Because if if there's not, then I think that is definitely an advantage for some of these teams that may have been preparing for a certain team now for since the off season. Well, wasn't Indiana and Wisconsin or Ohio, what, some of those teams were going to play to start the year on Thursday, Friday? I want to say Minnesota was one of them, and they're not now. 
but yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't know why you just don't make Purdue the opener other than yeah. the fact that I don't think there are any divisional games on week one. I think they stayed away from that. They wanted crossovers on week one, um, which makes sense. Um, and Nebraska got a really good deal out of it. I mean, they get Rutgers. I mean, I, I think they would have liked Michigan State even more um, just because of the concerns. But uh, I've heard conflicting reports, guys, out of Rutgers, um, kind of what's going on there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start fall camp here sooner rather than later. I know NJ.com reported um, uh, some cases, but the school has not even confirmed that yet. So it will be interesting to watch the situation at Rutgers because the flexibility of the schedule might be put into play right away. And, and if you're Nebraska – that would be my one concern about my week one opponent is can they be ready to play? And if not, that means Nebraska won't play week one, and that's a significant disadvantage. Well, you also think about Rutgers, too. They Their bye weeks, neither of their bye weeks match up with Nebraska's. So it gets moved to week 13 so or week 14. You're playing them at November 28th at the earliest. Uh, and so does that game even get played? In the heart of flu and – Exactly. So you look at the week one – matchups there's like we said there's nothing sexy on there and i think that was by design because it gives you the flexibility with the regular student population returning to campus and and all this stuff this transition that um you know each one of these programs and their players are going to be dealing with over the next month if there are setbacks you give yourself a game that no one's going to get too up in arms about if you cancel it or postpone it or do whatever you know if you, you're not going to play ohio state michigan week one i mean you're, you're going to try to save your marquee games for a little bit more uh you know like settled, penn, settled down part of the schedule penn state ohio state guys is all the way at week 10 so i mean they're building that up to be a you know in their eyes maybe an eight and over say no that could be your college yeah. football playoff game right there yeah, basically <laughs> yeah you're kind of your play-in game if there is a playoff yeah um you know for, for for the Rutgers deal though i mean i guess from our perspective there's there's some built-in storylines there uh, with uh, with Noah Vedral being there, you know, what kind of advantage may that be uh, for him, for that staff to have, you know, a brand new coaching staff to have somebody who's uh, extremely familiar with, uh, with with Scott Frost and his offense and, and even the defense too, for that matter. So, I mean, that's that's kind of an interesting draw there, uh, you know, in, in a built-in storyline that, that we'll be, I'm sure we'll be talking about that leading up to the game. Guys, Iowa week four too for Nebraska going on the road. It, it won't be your normal trip to Kinnick. Um, it's also going to be much, much, much earlier than we've ever seen Kinnick Stadium and fact i've never been to that town robin on on a night before a game where it's been open because it's thanksgiving night when we usually get there so it'll be a different feel in iowa city uh new quarterback um a lot of questions in the offseason i like that draw early for nebraska to, to get a play iowa um relatively early on knowing the quarterback questions they're going to have knowing the offseason that they've battled with some controversy and other things out there. So that's one that I, I like seeing that game where it's at. Well, and they're also getting Iowa uh, the week after Iowa plays Minnesota on the road. So that's a big game for them. I and mean, that's going to have huge West Division implications that you know, Nebraska, I mean, that's probably as good of a spot as they've gotten Iowa in a while. And, yeah, there's, there's a big difference of Iowa City in September and Iowa City in late November. Uh, as we've experienced, anybody that's been – to a game in Iowa City, uh, it gets cold there and it gets ugly. So, um, you know, maybe that'll help Nebraska's, you know, favor a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the way that that kind of shakes out, that, yeah, that, that four-game stretch between week three and week six 
is difficult, but you get Wisconsin at home. You get Iowa at a relatively favorable spot, and then you get Minnesota at home. Then, of course, you cap it off at Ohio State. There's never a good time or a good place to play Ohio State, but uh, to get that at the end as opposed to the beginning or sandwiched in the middle, that's then, a, then a bye week. That's favorable. Then so, a bye yeah, week. I mean, it, all things considered, you can say what you want about the difficulty of that stretch. Every, like I said, most every team has a stretch like that. And for Nebraska to, one, get it early, two, get two of those games at home and then get Iowa at a reasonably favorable spot and then ending it with Ohio State, I mean, like I said, that's that's a pretty good draw, all things considered. Yeah, well, especially considering the draw that Nebraska usually gets exactly. or has traditionally gotten within the league. I, I think I look at the schedule and I see kind of a kind of the reverse of of what it was going to be. How it was going to be a super easy open for, or not super easy, but a favorable open for the what the first six or seven weeks, and then just kind of murderers row there to to close things out. Now you're kind of flip flopping. You that. break it apart a little and bit. Yeah, you're breaking it apart a little bit. I, I think as a whole, if you're, you know, if you're going to try to pick what schedule is more beneficial, um, I think there's several different ways you can make a case for the new schedule being a little bit more beneficial. And I like this too in the West: Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota all play six weeks in a row, and they all share week seven by. So there's a makeup ability there in week seven. But there's really no advantage. Like Iowa's not going to have a bye before Nebraska. Or Wisconsin doesn't have a bye yeah. before. Everybody's on an even keel for those key divisional games where, you know, in the SEC, they schedule that November bye week game before your rivalry. And everybody gets like a week extra rest. Um, so they, they put a lot of thought into this. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, and, you know, the TV networks now are going to get their hands on it. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll be curious the ratings they pull. By coming out of the gates week one and playing, oh. they're going to get NFL-level yeah. ratings. Think about this, guys. Ohio State opens up Thursday night. Yes. I mean, wow. That's going to draw. I, I, I don't know this, but you would think ESPN or the big, the big Fox are going to put that on. And that's going to get 10 million, 8 million viewers. Well, I know Fox Sports already picked up Ohio State, Michigan. So, I mean, like this is going to be uh, probably ratings that we've – hardly seen in college football especially for you know Ohio State is Ohio State but you know they're playing Illinois but that's still going to generate probably record week one ratings the fact that it is Thursday and it's going to be maybe one of the first big college football games out there so the Big Ten really put itself especially compared to what other leagues are doing in a situation where they are going to capitalize in a major way and Wisconsin's Friday night exactly so the Big Ten is going to own the weekend yeah, they're going to own the entire weekend, and that's another part of you know how they've handled this uh, that you have to like. Not only are you starting the season earlier and, and creating more more buffer, more room to to get creative if you do have to to change things around, but you, you certainly are going to capitalize on everybody's. Uh, hunger for football or, or sports in general. I, I think that everyone's going to be wanting to watch football, whether they follow the Big Ten or not. They're going to be paying attention to the Ohio State game and and the the Wisconsin game. I mean, th- these are these are teams that are going to draw interest in, uh, especially Thursday, Friday, and then heading into the weekend. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what the the ratings are going to be on those on those games. All right, when we come back, I'm going to bring in Tom Deanhart from Golden Black, formerly of BTN.com and the Sporting News, and also Rivals. Uh, national Tom Dean Hart will join us. Um, he broke the news weeks back, going to ten games, and uh, we've collaborated a lot with Tom over the last several weeks here. And, and we'll get his thoughts on the Big Ten schedule next. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, we are we are very hopeful uh, to have uh, a Big Ten uh, football season, to have fall sports uh, in our Big Ten conference. But again, you know, what we're doing, we're approaching this entire process on a day-to-day basis. We're gathering uh, medical information daily. Uh, we're communicating with all of our constituents in the Big Ten. We're communicating uh, with our student-athletes and, and having dialogue with them. Uh, this, will, this will not be a straight line this year. And again, you know, we've released the schedule, but we've done it in a con- context of uh, we have to plan ahead. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as you just heard, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, um, you know, lay out some more thoughts about just the decision to get going. And I wanted to bring in somebody else to the show here today, a guy that we've been talking. Uh, I think my wife's trying to figure out who's this guy, Tom, I'm talking to all the time. Uh, Tom Deanhart from Golden Black, formerly a BTN um, and also Sporting News years back, uh, and Rivals.com National, um, one of the best in the business, and especially when it comes to Big Ten. Uh, Tom, first of all, thanks for joining us, and uh, it, it's been a heck of a ride to get to where we got on Wednesday morning. Yeah, Sean, the story seems to change, uh, not daily, but almost hourly sometimes, especially in the last week or so. Uh, but finally, we have at the unveiling of the 2020 uh Big Ten football schedule, the much-anticipated revised version of it. And there's a lot to digest here, and I think we can all agree, Sean, that we're just glad there's there's going to be football uh, you know, this fall. Yeah, Tom, uh, I, I know uh, Tuesday night, Monday night, you and I talked to a lot of league sources and people we know around the conference, and there was a lot of concern, but there was a lot of relief Monday. And I don't want to say I was surprised, but to go week one, and keep this initial plan that they had laid out, uh, were you surprised they stuck with that, knowing that they are the only Power Five conference that's going to come out of the gates on Labor Day weekend? I think uh, by doing that, Sean, you know, by starting that September 3rd to September 5th, it gives the Big Ten the scheduling flexibility that Commissioner Kevin Warren said he desired way back in early July when the Big Ten made the announcement that they were trashing their non-conference games and going with the Big Ten-only schedule. So, again, by starting on time, so to speak, the Big Ten has maintained scheduling flexibility, nimbleness, in case you know some teams get stricken by this virus and games have to be postponed and rescheduled. There are slots built in this schedule where they think they can make games up if need be. We're talking to Tom Deanhart here from Golden Black, uh, who's covered the Big Ten uh, for years and years. Um, what were your thoughts on – the crossover draws Uh, every team added one uh we talked a little bit off air um it it seems like wisconsin and and some of the heavyweights in the west drew a very very favorable east crossover um that you know they're they're really trying to set the stage for um a potential big 10 championship game that won't be a rematch yeah there's no doubt you know uh if you look at wisconsin's cross division draw i think um, by far, it's the easiest, and overall, the Badgers may have the most favorable schedule in the entire Big Ten. So they have to be uh, the favorites to win the West. They already were, Sean, but now with the schedule, it seems to cement their status as a uh, as a favorite in that division. And Ohio State too. You know, we talked a while ago too about their schedule, and Buckeyes uh, really aren't going to get tested until later in the year. So. They are the consensus best team in the league, I think, Sean. They may be a preseason number one team nationally. And you have to think if we get to a Big Ten title game in December that the chances of the Buckeyes playing the Badgers, it's very good. 
Yeah, you, you go. You, you look at playing ten games and, and just the challenges of that. I mean, what do you think coaches' thoughts are going to be on what a good record is this year? I think as fans across the country, you always think, oh, if we go eight, nine, ten wins, it's a great year. But um, with this schedule, saying all ten games get in, um, how different will expectations be across the league? Yeah, they'll be. I think they have to be shifted. Right, a lot of teams count on, you know, getting. Uh, two if not three wins in non-conference sometimes Sean so those are going to be some wins that uh like I said teams usually count on in the non-conference that aren't going to be there Illinois lost three easy games Indiana lost three easy games and again most every school in the conference had these one or two you know sort of cupcake type opponents that you figured they were going to beat so those are off the schedule now with it's all me right there's no there's no real fat to these schedules all Big Ten opponents so a lot of times, a five and five record, you know, may end up looking good uh, when you consider the, the the heavy lifting some of these schools have. So, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see, Sean, if we get to bowl season, you know, if a five and five record would be good enough to to get a postseason bid. And I have to think it would be. Going into Friday now, every team will open up camp on that day. How big was it just to get running and going? I, I look at the SEC's approach; it's completely different. Um, their teams will not go into training camp for a few more weeks where the big 10, you know, there is no lag time. They're, they're going to get going. I mean, how, how beneficial could that be? Uh, maybe trying to, to get ahead of things with this coronavirus. Yeah, I think it's big, you know, Sean, there's, there's no guarantee the virus situation is going to be any better tomorrow, a week from now or a month from now. So the benefit and waiting for, for that thing to quell down, it's, it's, it's really unfounded. Um, secondly, talking to some coaches the last few days, you know, their players are chopping at the bit. They have to stand up in front of these guys each day and keep them motivated, keep them focused, and keep them on track. And now the Big Ten has their finish line in sight, right, Sean? Training camp Friday, you know, game September 3rd or September 5th. So, again, I think it's going to help these Big Ten teams get focused, you know, a little sooner here and, and maybe be a little bit more committed to staying virus-free, too, knowing that there's the season's right around the corner here. So, again, I think it was smart for the Big Ten to kick the ball uh, right now and not wait for it uh, later on in, in this month. And, Tom, you cover Purdue. You're from West Lafayette originally. Nebraska has not yet announced what their attendance plan is going to be. Bill Moose has told the World Herald as recently as Wednesday that um, he's hoping at least 50% in Memorial Stadium, which would be a very aggressive number. Where, where is Purdue at with their attendance? Um, I mean, from a media perspective, how, how will things be different for you guys with accessing the team? I mean, do you have any idea on those things right now out of Purdue? Yeah, we've, got, we've had almost zero communication. We, we spoke to Mike Bobinski, the AD, a few times, Sean. About a month or so ago, I think the plan for attendance was as generous as 50%. Um, probably 25% minimum. Um, you know, since then, we've seen Ohio State come out, Sean, and say they were just going to have 20% capacity in the horseshoe. So um, we do know, we do believe here that, that, that Purdue is going to revisit their attendance hopes early next week. We hope to hear from Mike Bobinski about that. And, and when he speaks, I suspect, again, probably a 20% range on Ross State Stadium would be the hope for 2020 we shall see to me sean anybody you get in there it's gravy they just got to get on the field get these games played and get that tv money yeah the gate receipts are good the game day revenue is great but we all know the big bucks of the tv revenue and and again they have to get that spigot flowing 
And then again, the game day step to me at this point, given the circumstances this year, it's gravy. So again, Purdue's wishful, and I guess would be about a 20, 25% capacity when it's all said and done. Talking to Tom Deanhart, um, any idea on the television piece of this with the inventory? Let's say they can get all 70 games off plus a Big Ten title game. That's 71 pieces of inventory. Um, then you're going to play weeks one, two, and three, which only I believe the ACC is going to go week two. But um, just the extra eyeballs that you're going to be able to have on some of these Big Ten games, the ratings they're going to draw in. Any idea if that number is going to be close or even more than than what teams normally would get um, on on a revenue share each year? I'm not sure. I haven't really kicked the tires or called around or asked anybody if, if, if revenue could be adjusted. Uh, just based on, like you said, Sean, the extra eyeballs that figured to be on the conference that first week when there's still really a void of football on the television, especially football, the quality that people will see in the Big Ten. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, again, a big task for Kevin Warren, Sean. We talked about this. First year on the job, he walks into this, one of the most difficult situations uh, the sporting world has seen uh, in, in over a few generations. So, again, nobody – can plan for this and um again you got to laud them for coming up with this plan and and again we all hope it can get pulled off here and, and executed you got to wonder if the sec tom is uh scratching their head like you know what maybe we should go earlier than week four i i still honestly don't get that approach because there, there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room they're only going to get one bye week in the season in the sec where the big Ten's going to offer two bye weeks plus the potential of four makeup dates at the end and then again, that that's where we started the conversation. Schedule flexibility. The Big Ten maintain that by sticking with their original start weekend of September 5th. And like you said, by going September, what was the 26th, I think, uh, the SEC really is backing itself into a corner, so to speak, giving itself very little wiggle room if there are coronavirus outbreaks and teams can't play. The same goes for the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is going to try to play 10 games in 11 weeks. Uh, so, again, a little flexibility for that conference as well, which is starting the third week in September, too. So, yeah, just different ways of thinking. And, uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see if everybody can get to the finish line here, Sean. And, and like I said, if we get a postseason in the playoff when it's all said and done, too. Well, Tom, I've enjoyed talking to you several times the last few weeks. I'm sure we'll be talking more here over the course of August. So, thanks again for joining us here on the Husker Online Show. Thanks for having me, buddy. Take care. All right, much more to come. We'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But as we get into uh, full-scale competition, then um, then the Big Ten office will work in conjunction with our 14 schools to make sure that the testing protocols and procedures are not only followed, but they're handled in a very transparent manner. But our, our teams are allowed to start practices Friday, and um, and so we'll look forward to, uh, to to walking down this process together and making sure that that uh, we're paying attention to every every minute detail. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren as Big Ten teams open up fall camp Friday. Here we go, September 5th, opening date. Now time for the mailbag question. And uh, interesting question out of the gates here. Uh, Colorado State transfer Nuri Nuelli was granted immediate eligibility, meaning he does not have to sit out. He started as a true freshman um, at Colorado State last year, gave up his scholarship to walk on. Will he be able to give Bo Wilson a run? And 
I think it's a possibility, but in all reality, to me, this ruling, what it does, guys, is it allows Newelli uh, to play four games and still redshirt. And I think that's really all he wants. He wants to have an opportunity to get in a couple of games this year, get his feet wet, use the redshirt, and then have a chance to maybe be a three-year starter after that. Yeah, and I think that makes total sense too. Uh, and with the depth that Nebraska has on the offensive line, you know this wasn't like a make or break decision. But uh, you know, given the the situation, just of you know what we're preparing to to enter in uh, with you know just the, the whole coronavirus stuff, having as much possible depth as you can get, especially top level depth like this, like a guy who's not only played but started, um, that's a huge asset for Nebraska to where your offensive line just got even deeper and more experienced on a group that was already pretty set to go. Well, anytime you can capitalize on getting some playing time in but still preserving that red shirt, I think, is ideal. Had the waiver not been uh, issued, he would have had to sit, and, and there was no chance that he was going to play. So now and, – and we all know that if you're – if there's a chance you're going to get on the field, you know, if you're able to kind of dangle that carrot in front of someone's face, you're they're going to work harder and, and be prepared to do so. And, um, you know, had he not gotten the waiver – you know, he, he he would know that he, there's no way that he was going to see any playing time this year. So I think it's beneficial all the way around. Guys, a great question here. Um, assuming they play all 10 games, what is your new record prediction for Nebraska in 2020? And, you know, I tend to think that five and five is very attainable. And I, I think six, I think six and four can do it. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't know that Nebraska is pretty far ahead right now and they're in great physical shape. Um, if the pieces they've added can be what we think, um, six and four to me is not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of questions that still remain to be answered, but there's also a lot of reasons why uh, people could be optimistic about Nebraska, especially if Adrian Martinez turns the corner, especially if that offensive line is as improved as we think it will be. And if the uh, the defensive line can be that underrated unit that I don't think is getting enough attention. If all these things come into play, pair that with all the kind of benefits Nebraska is getting with this schedule, you know, six wins, I would even say seven and three is in the realm of possibility. If they're able to keep, get that early momentum, get some early wins, and then come out of that four game stretch between week three and week six with their head above water. Yeah. To me, you know, that, that week or the two week period of Wisconsin, Iowa is going to be really, really big and kind of tell, maybe tell us a lot about how the season's going to go. But I'm with you guys. I, I think that, you know, winning record is, is certainly attainable and um, you know, six, I, I think is, is doable. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe even seven, if, if they are able to win back to back against Wisconsin and Iowa, uh, we'll, we'll say it should be a fun year. Uh, so, but you know, I, I think uh, baby steps here, obviously this is not going to be, you know, the, you know, you, when you only have 10 games and, and it's not going to be the, the easy uh, road to maybe going, starting off six and zero that they would have had. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that it's, it's something that they can, can, um, you know, put together a winning year on. When will TV games and times be announced? Um, guys, I think as soon as possible. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised by this week or very, very early next week. We're taping here on Wednesday, so obviously a lot can change. But I would think the TV networks are going to wait until the SEC and the other leagues kind of get things set. Uh, before, but there'll be a lot of flexing, I think, too. I mean, I, and they've gone to that anyway. Um, the Big Ten really has flexed all of their conference games because of the big noon 
Saturday and some of the things that they like to do with their television contract. Well, it's already started to happen. You know, like we mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan has already been claimed by Fox. Uh, so we know at least the network for that and kickoff time, you know, who knows. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, too, just depends on uh, you know, when the games are able to be played, obviously. And then, you know, there's other sports going on, too. So uh, those primetime windows are probably to be determined. But I do know that uh, networks are already starting to sift through these schedules and, you know, basically have their, their draft of games that they want to get. Nate, I'll be curious if it's traditional kicks with – coronavirus and traveling and some of the issues that they're trying to you know preach safety if if they go with the 11 seven seven o'clock format yeah that's another question um that i think is is definitely something you know that needs to be asked or, or that we're going to continue to wonder about until a lot of these games are claimed by various networks and everything but um you know my guess right now is would probably be that that they would stay you know in those traditional spots but um, yeah, I, I think that's that's something. You know, if they do want to, to switch up times, that that could be something that uh, really kind of uh, you know differentiates this year again uh, <laughs> with everything else uh, compared to, to previous years. Well, you've heard some people say there could be busing, more busing, and I don't think that's from a safety issue. I think it's a cost issue. Yeah. That, you know, if if you could save three hundred grand by busing versus flying, you might see. You know, Penn State and Rutgers bus to their game or Maryland, you know, the closer games. For Nebraska, there's really only one Iowa that you could bus to. Um, you know, Minnesota, if it was on the road, maybe you could bus there too. Uh, but, you know, bu- for Nebraska, busing would be very, very difficult, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to bus to Evanston. No. I mean, that's the only other one that would even be remotely feasible. Uh, so, you know, that's the that's the kind of drawback of the Big Ten footprint being what it is, where it is so spread out geographically that, uh, you know, teams in the SEC have a couple-hour car ride and the Big 12 have a couple-hour bus ride. But, you know, that's just not feasible in the majority of the Big Ten, especially with teams that are late, that joined later in the conference. Well, and, and I think that everyone's looking to maybe be financially responsible here. But at, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know if, if Nebraska, if it makes sense for, to, for Nebraska to do any, any busing. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we take your questions in the mailbag. We got a very hypothetical one here. What is more likely? Number one, Rutgers playing in Lincoln on September 5th. Number two, Nebraska traveling to New Jersey to play Rutgers on September 5th. Number three, no game at all on September 5th. Guys, I think really the telling point will be, will Rutgers be in training camp by early next week at the latest? Um, and, and what is the Fisher Cup bait time as far as proper preparation? Um, you know, will two weeks, three weeks be enough time uh, for a team that didn't get spring practice and who makes that call? Does the school get to make that call or does the conference going to make that call? Yeah, I mean, it's all in Rutgers court right now. Uh, what they do will ultimately dictate the answer to that question. And you know, as of now, it sounds like you know they're fully planning on starting camp on Friday. And if they're able to do that and get through uh, you know, a few days or even a week of practice, then you all of a sudden you feel a lot better about the chances of that game happening. But right now, obviously, given uh, the questions surrounding Rutgers program and kind of their, their COVID status, it's definitely uh, worth, worth keeping a very close eye on over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no question. I, I think if they do start on Friday or over the weekend and, and they're still in camp by you know maybe this time next week, then you, you have to feel pretty good that that game is going to take place in New Jersey uh, as, as scheduled. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, guys, as you're, I'm going through the questions. We kind of put up a late mailbag because obviously things have uh, changed here. Um, 
let's see, recruiting. Nate, anything with Fedoni? He took a visit to Lincoln. Is that right? A kind of a secret visit with some of the current commits, but obviously not part of Nebraska. But he came to Lincoln and spent some time. Is that accurate? Um, I I, th- I know that he spent some time with the commits. Or spent time with commits. Yeah, he was not in Lincoln, to my knowledge. Um, but yeah, you know, I I think that. There's no question. He's got a good relationship with a lot of those Nebraska commits. Uh, Henry Litovsky and and uh, Teddy Prohaska in particular. I, I think those guys have a have a good uh, rapport with one another, and, and you know there's a there is a friendship there, and and so you know and, and I know they they spend time with one another, and um, you know I think that's obviously a good sign if you're Nebraska that that uh, the you know arguably well the number one guy on your board there's no arguing it is spending time with your current commits. I think that's something that you have to really really like. All right, much more to come. We'll wrap up the show next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. As we're going to talk a little bit, not just recruiting, we're talking about a lot of different topics here. But before we get to that, Nate, this segment of the Husker Online show is brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision. Give us the latest and greatest, Nate, with Kugler Vision. Yeah, Kugler Vision, chugging right along. Uh, they are open and, and um, are, have put protocol in place to make things easier than ever for you you go to cooglervision.com go to uh to fill out their online consultation form you can take a quiz to see what uh, vision correction works best for you and it is uh virtually hands-free uh contactless um you know information that they'll be able to gather from you and and get your vision corrected uh you know, i'm i'm better than 2020 and it took less than two minutes for them to to do it on both of my eyes could not be happier that it's done go to cooglervision.com all right, Nate, uh, I want to get right to this recruiting topic here. Uh, Nebraska makes another Bellevue West recruiting offer, this time uh, to wide receiver tight end Caden Helms. Uh, I believe this is the fifth Bellevue West offer Nebraska's made since Jalen Bradley. Yeah, I think so. you got Caden Helms, Micah Riley. Uh, Keegan Johnson. Keegan Johnson. Um, and then Jalen Bradley. So, yeah, the fifth the fifth one. Well, Xavier Betts, duh. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> the, the biggest one in there, uh, arguably. So, uh, yeah, it, this was, you know, something that I, I know uh, Nebraska had been keeping a close eye on Caden Helms. Obviously, he had a good sophomore season, and, you know, they invited him up for that big junior day, the very first, you know, big junior day event that they had in the end of January. Um, you know, and, and they, they've been, you know, on him ever since and really started picking the, the contact up as much as they could. You know, obviously they're not able to initiate any contact, but I know they were contacting Coach Huffman and Huffman would tell Caden to call the coaches. And there's a lot of conversations that were taking place there. Well, Caden goes out to the Sharp Performance Combine or Showcase in, in um, Salina, Kansas, does very, very well. And then he went to the Warden, Warren Academy Showcase in Omaha there and, and did fantastic there as well. Uh, and I think that was all Nebraska needed to see, you know, after they were able to kind of get their hands on some numbers and see how he's developed. 
and uh, maybe see a little bit of film from those showcase events, I, I, they they pulled the trigger on him. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, he's developed uh, an amazing amount since the the end of last season. I think he he was like six four, one eighty eight at the end of last year. He's six five. Uh, 212 right now and it's he's he's all muscle uh, I mean he's been putting in an awful lot of work and looked really really good at the Warren Academy showcase uh, or at both showcases that we saw him at so um, to me I think it made sense for Nebraska to offer him and now they've got four in-state offers made for the class of 2022 before the start of their junior years which is something that hasn't happened um, in 10 plus years all right Robin I want to switch to basketball because you've done a great job of documenting the arrival um both uh, drago and thor have made it to lincoln internationally one guy though is not here yet correct uh 12 of nebraska's 13 scholarship players are on campus and going through workouts the lone exception is shamil stevenson who is currently back home uh with his family in toronto and he's doing so uh basically because he and his family decided that um, you know, he was safer and at least in a better spot um, back home during, you know, this this coronavirus stuff. So uh, the good news, I guess, is that uh, this isn't a surprise to Nebraska. Um, Shamil and his family have stayed in regular contact with the coaching staff and um, let them know of his plans all along. And basically uh, the, the plan is that he's going to stay there until he's required to come back. And right now everything's just a voluntary basis. So um, he doesn't need to be back in class, you know, obviously, or on campus, classes are still online. Um, I think their uh, official workouts or practices start August 13th. And then, um, you know, classes start the, the week after. So you would imagine something would happen within the next couple of weeks, but it's a concern that one guy is choosing not to be back with the rest of the team, whereas everybody else is here uh, kind of going through a very important offseason process of uh, a bunch of dudes that have never met each other trying to become a team. And you have one guy who hasn't played basketball or meaningful basketball in almost two years choosing not to be a part of it. And, you know, again, you can't judge anybody for their personal decisions, but uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And until he sets foot on campus, um, I would say there's at least some level of concern there. All right. I wanted to talk more. Now, let's back to the scheduling stuff. Uh, Power five leagues. It's really interesting just how different everybody is. I remember when the Big Ten announced that they were going to go 10 games or conference only. That was really out there at that time that everybody in the Power five has a sense essentially copied that uh, the ACC is going to play potentially one non-conference game. They may not do it now, though, because the SEC is not going to um, cooperate with them on those interstate rivalry games. And that was the whole reason why the ACC did what they did. The Big 12 is going to let them play one non-con game um, against uh, basically an FCS-type team. But other than that, you're going to basically see all Power 5 and Power 5 copying what the Big 10 has done. But the start dates are so unique. I mean, the SEC is going to go on the 26th. The Big 12 could go on the 26th or the 19th. Uh, the Big 10 is going on the 5th. The ACC is going to go basically the 12th, uh, week 2. Um, so, it, you know, in the Pac-12 is week three. Um, it, it's just so interesting how different the approaches are with these Power Five leagues on how they attacked these schedules. Yeah, and it just shows that uh, kind of the chaotic nature of college athletics right now, the fact that there's no um, singular oversight to all this, and basically the conferences are trying to just figure it out on their own. It's a really – bad look for the NCAA and we knew that you know they didn't really have much of a say with football but 
uh, there's been a lot of conversations about just this whole process of conferences uh, kind of taking their own situations by the horns without any really care about what the NCAA thinks. Is this the start of a, you know, in some people's opinion, uh, long overdue movement to break from the NCAA and you know become uh, a, a, a separate entity with college football in particular where you don't have the NCAA meddling in their issues, especially now that the sport has grown to the level that it is. Yeah, to me, I mean, when you when you look at it, how things have kind of played out here, I, mean, to, I, I don't know what the benefit is of the the NCAA, um, at least as far as football is concerned. Just a governing rule book yeah. for recruiting and. But how well do they even yeah. govern those rules? They don't I mean, even enforce the rules. Exactly. I, I, I mean, it's and not uniformly, at least. I mean, there's so many different, you know, certain people get waivers over others, and, and you've got certain schools that, that are breaking rules and, and virtually go unpunished, whereas others, you know, get – get the the hammer brought down on them I, I just I don't know I don't know how much it makes sense to me this is like the perfect time if if uh you know power five or or even all of college football wanted to to break off from the NCAA this might be the time to do it it just the, the layers are so deep because then what happens to the college world series yeah. college baseball is much bigger than just the power conferences like there's smaller leagues in college baseball that are power conferences based on how they compete in college basketball, the college, big the Big East, like what happens to them? Yeah. College basketball is totally dependent on the NCAA because they make their money on the NCAA tournament. That's how college basketball conference or the sport gets paid. Or the conferences get paid is because of their participation in the NCAA tournament. I think football could break off, but then the NCAA would be like, fine, then you can't partake yeah. in our tournaments for I'm the other. I'm sure sport. that line would be drawn in the sand too. And that's yeah. the only bargaining chip right now. The NCAA has is that tournament. And then obviously college world series and, and you know, the other championships they provide because who really wants to facilitate like a tennis championship, a swimming champion. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And you know, with the movement of guys or schools cutting sports like that, you know, more and more by the day, you know, maybe this is kind of, again more dominoes falling in that direction to where uh, you know th those types of sports are played on a conference basis and maybe not on a national basis. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, ripple effect that could potentially happen if football continues to head the direction it's heading. Yeah, at the very least, there's got to be some private conversations that are being had uh, during all this. Uh, you know, does it make sense, or what would it look like if we wanted to separate and, and do our own thing? I, I just, I don't know. When, when I look at it, and this is something we've all talked about for years and years, I, I think, or, or kind of just thrown out there. But when you look at it, um, you know, if there ever was going to be a time to, to at least have a serious conversation about it, it probably would be right now. The real trendy phrase people like to use is, "Does college football need a czar?" And it's just so unrealistic. <laughs> um, I mean. The Power Five leagues are not going to ever allow there to be a czar. I mean, imagine the political world we live in outside of sports with Republicans and Democrats. Well, the Power Five is basically like five different parties. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way all five parties are ever going to agree upon. I mean, I remember how controversial it was when the committee was put together for the college football playoff. And the guys in the South said there needs to be more people that sleep in southern beds on that committee. Mm. Yeah, and so what guys or what conference is going to want? Is the Big Ten going to want an SEC guy making decisions? The Pac-12 going to want a Big Ten guy making decisions? I mean, there's a lot of uh, regional bias and conference bias that goes into that. And 
a lot of egos, really, because everybody is going to look out for their conference and their league and their teams. Uh, and if that comes at the expense of other people, then that would heavily influence some decisions. Oliver Luck has always been talked about as the popular choice because he was at West Virginia. He's from Texas. He's got the Stanford. I mean, he's, he's kind of well-received in all parts of the country. Um, and he's a name that you hear thrown out, but it, it's not going to happen. No. I mean, <laughs> I think we're a long way from that. Maybe if this season goes well and the conferences are able to put this thing forward and pull it out, then maybe that discussion happens further. Yeah, the na- that's always like a big national summer radio college football topic. Does college football need a czar? <laughs> I think you need to say it that way every time. Now. Well, and, and you get like these national guys, and they they like. I mean, it's just every summer they they bring it up. They need one, but it's not going to happen. And it and that's where it's at right now. But okay. Anyway, fun show, guys. Um, man, I know we got a long ways to go, but today was a big mile marker in getting to that place. Um, I know there have been you know, a lot of people critical that I'm so optimistic about football. Husker kid on the board, one of them. Um, sorry, I'm calling him out because he, he came at me hard. Um, and I'm not saying I'm, I, I, I'm just an optimistic per- person by nature, but I thought today was a big step to get there. I'm not saying the season's going to go off without any hiccups. They're right. expecting hiccups. But I thought this was a big step forward that the Big Ten put everything on paper and said, here we go, let's go. Yeah, it's just all about navigating at this point. And like we talked about, there's a lot of ability to be flexible and adjust accordingly. And guess what? Next radio show, fall camp will be going full yes. steam ahead. I'm just glad we have something tangible to talk about instead of pure speculation and, and saying we won't, in be, we won't be asked, will they play a season? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, we are running out of food in the fridge right yeah, now. I mean, we are, we are cooking the uh, two-year-old Trader Joe's salmon. Yeah. I mean, that's been sitting in your freezer. Yeah. I mean, it was getting that, dire. So that we, can of Spam was looking pretty good for <laughs> this. The Spam, the, the broken up uh, ramen noodles, you know, that was just like crushed and crushed up on the back of the cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. The fried rice bag from Trader Joe's <laughs> that you bought about three years ago, and it's just terrible. But yeah, all right, well, We'll have a good show next week and lots more to talk about. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.